Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 9 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the Talking Point today. So we'll switch our attention then this hour to um, Rand Water. We're going to be talking about a number of issues that affect their infrastructure and ultimately, of course, their ability to provide water, which ends up in the harm in the homes of many South Africans. Um, that conversation is going to be getting underway shortly. Sakina Kamwendo is going to continue uh, bringing you more from the State Capture Commission of Inquiry. Uh, I'm also keeping a close eye on the Senzo Mewa case where the five suspects that are accused in that matter are appearing again before the court. So uh, if anything significant happens, I'll definitely bring you up to speed and so will the news team. You'll hear more from Joalani Tulo. Well, um, Randwater is embarking on a major awareness campaign. This is to educate members of the public on the danger of encroaching on their pipeline servitudes. The water utility has a pipeline network of more than 3,500 kilometers, which supplies bulk water to metropolitan municipalities in Gauteng, the Free State, Mpumalanga, and the Northwest Province. Well, to tell us more about what is really happening, happening here. Katutelo Maumele is the Executive Director for Bulk Water Distribution at Randwater. Uh, Katutelo, good morning. Uh, good morning, Kathy uh, and the listeners of the uh, Oh, Unfortunately, that line to you, Mr. Maumela, is quite bad. I'm going to ask our uh, producers just to redial you. We certainly are not hearing you uh, very well on this end. Deboho Joala is the General Manager, Communications and Stakeholder Relations and Marketing at Rand Water. Deboho, good morning. Uh, good morning, Kathy, and uh, good morning to our listeners as well. All right. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Mr. Mamela, let me just try the line again with you because uh, your line certainly wasn't coming out clearly the first time around. So um, as soon as we've been able to re-establish him back on the line, uh, then we'll, we'll certainly continue with him. Deboho, let me begin with you and firstly begin by asking what is this uh, awareness campaign that you're embarking on really about? Well, uh, <clears throat> uh, as you uh, in your preamble correctly put it, we have a, a very vast uh, network of pipelines that expands into four uh, provinces, uh, the whole of Gauteng, a little bit in uh, um, the Free State, which covers the municipality uh, of Mwate and Timahulu. Um, and in the Pumalanga, we have uh, a pipe that goes into Vikakanye uh, and Kavunimbegi, um, uh, that area of Segunda and so on. And the last uh, the two municipalities that we provide water to is uh, in the northwest, Madibing and Rustenbeck. So <clears throat> it's one of the biggest and longest uh, net pipe uh, networks around the world. We are uh, the biggest uh, water utility in South Africa and in the continent. Now, the, the awareness that we are trying to create is that they come at the back of a um, widespread, if I put it that way, of uh, encroachment into our pipeline, which hampers on our ability to maintain our pipes and have access to those uh, pipelines. And number two, which is the most important one, is that um, the dangers that is associated with the settlement of people um, and and structures on top of the pipeline is very um, serious and it can lead into fatalities. 
So we're trying to um, create an awareness and uh, ensure that the communities uh, are aware of the, uh, of, um, the places uh, of the, where they want to settle, particularly um, the uh, former settlement when they see an open period and they occupy it and then, of course, we'll know it's uh, the competency that sits with the local municipalities and the uh, Department of uh, Cocta and Human Settlement at the provincial level. But we don't really want to uh, uh, shift the blame from uh, to anyone, but we want to work uh, in, in, in concert with the rest of the uh, stakeholders, which have already uh, began, you know, by period of things, uh, a period in the past we haven't doing that. But in this instance, we have decided to also uh, take it a notch higher and uh, go directly to the public and try and educate them um, uh, uh, and uh, make them aware of, mm. of uh, where our pipelines run and uh, particularly highlight the, the dangers that are associated with uh, with that uh, type of uh, encroachments. Mr. Mamela, when we talk about water servitude and, you know, there's the phrase rand water servitude, what, act, what are we actually referencing here? Uh, FM listeners, my apology, the line was bad earlier. Um, maybe just to add on what my colleague uh, has already said, Mr. Iwadla, is that uh, a rainwater servitude is uh, basically a piece of land where our pipelines are running. Now, these pipelines are obviously buried underground, so you are not able to really see them with a naked eye. But uh, along the places where these lines are running, you would actually be finding that there are these valve chambers or valve boxes which actually sticks out of the ground. And these are the boxes that we actually use for the purposes of maintenance. Now, in terms of servitude, because the pipelines are mostly underground, people have a tendency of thinking that this is open land that can easily be used for all other purposes. Now, rainwater has registered this servitude. You do find that sometimes the land belongs to the municipalities or private owners but rainwater has the legal sole use of that piece of land where these pipelines are running. So, Mr. Joala was talking about people then building houses on, you know, on this land. And I would imagine that, uh, and I'm, I'm talking here now for the houses that are built um, with due process being followed, not where people occupy land. Um, I'm assuming that one needs to get permission to be able to build in a particular area. So why is it that you're finding such a high rate of people just building on this land without necessarily um, going through the right channels and having authorities perhaps explain why that land cannot be used? Maybe if I may just start with the fact that uh, where um, people are building formal structures, if you buy a piece of land or a stand, um, surely you go through the local authority, which would be the municipality. And through that process, even before you begin to build, you would have had your, your, your building plans approved by that particular local authority. And one of the things that they do is to make sure that they actually determine all the services that are running in the area where you want to build. And uh, where we have these pipelines, if there is a need for a structure to be built close to these lines, the municipality would therefore contact rainwater so that we can be able to have the applications of way leave done to rainwater. 
then the engineers of rainwater would then look at that particular application in terms of whether it actually encroaches on rainwater servitude and all other associated risks that might actually come with that particular infrastructure. So when the process is followed correctly, Kathy and the listeners, we normally do not have problems because we'll be able to know upfront even before any building can be done. But unfortunately, you do find also those people who cut corners, who take chances, who even when they're building, uh, building formal structures, they don't go through the process. They always want to take the easy way out. And before you know it, you see a shopping mall or a, a filling station already being built, and it's actually on top of rainwater's pipelines on, on, on the servitudes. So it's important to make sure that correct processes are followed so that we don't end up with this situation. Are there particular communities that you find perhaps are, uh, are, are responsible for building on, on this piece of land, on part of the land rather, where you have your infrastructure? The connotation of a formal structure is not that wide, it's not that many. So there are instances where, in fact, there is a typical case here uh, in Pretoria where a more a, a, in a residential estate, upmarket residential estate, has built a, a parameter wall of the estate just next to the uh, our pipeline. So we are, I want to allow two meters away um, uh, from the the, the, the the servitude or the land that they've uh, built, um, put the pipe under, uh, to be allowed on either side. Um, of the of the pipe, so they encroach on top of it. Of course, that would have been subject of a maybe either mistake or something to do with the local municipality approval process. But that process uh, would have uh, escaped the process um, and the site of uh, rainwater's uh, engineers who would look at these things. Um, and there are also instances where filling station has been built on top of the uh, uh, our servitude. So they are in fact, the formal structures uh, that have been built, business uh, and mm-hmm. residential. Of course, by far, the, the, the largest uh, encroachers would be informal uh, settlements and housing. So uh, in time, uh, when they, um, the people have uh, put, and I'm sure you'd have seen in informal settlements, they would build houses, but they still uh, being recorded as part of the informal settlement, but they would have uh, permanent structures built on top of the our services. Which so, is why we are where we are. Yeah. So, so then, so then, who do who do you blame in that instance, right? Because if you're seeing it as something that is happening across the board, that means that on one hand, it's not just about people simply wanting to break the law, but it also means that there's an issue of regulation on the part of municipalities that are perhaps not doing their part when people are buying these pieces of land. No, granted, um, okay, that's why we have established a counting um, stakeholder forum, and uh, mm. we're very strong with the uh, uh, with the Egorleni stakeholder forum, where we interact with uh, other uh, SOEs whose services um, uh, have enclosed uh, uh, our colleagues like uh, Eskom and other and, and Transnet and Prasa, where we would have a stakeholder engagement forums and all other stakeholders within municipalities uh, do partake in those uh, forums and we really want to uh, share and uh, widely share the information as much as possible so that we avoid uh, such uh, mistakes and mistakes because 
the one of the structures that we made is no longer about who to be claimed, but how do we overcome the challenge that is there so that we also avoid to have them repeated uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. So there are instances, like I was saying, that where a former structure, if a person has built a residential estate parameter wall, well, the assumption is that he got permission from somebody. So that's when we had done that thing. Um, we, we try to streamline uh, our processes to ensure that there is no lapse of um, of 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 of, of, of uh, two permissions uh, across all the steps that must be taken. When we continue after the break, we're going to find out then what are some of the risks that come with those who are building effectively on land, as you heard, randwater servitudes. And this is land where there are pipes underground that form part of the infrastructure that distributes water to different parts of the country. This is the talking point. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. You're live on The Talking Point. We're in conversation with Rand Water. We're talking about some of the risks that is that are, that are being posed to their infrastructure. Uh, Katutelo Maumela is the executive manager for bulk water distribution at Rand Water. And Dabuho Joala is the general manager for communications and stakeholder relations at the entity. Um, Mr. Maumela, let's begin with some of the risks then for that people must be aware of, especially if they have built, whether it's residential houses, whether it's businesses on this land that you have told us about? Thank you, uh, Kathy. Maybe one should just take a step uh, backward and just add a bit on the historical background we uh, offered when we started the show, in that uh, if you check uh, uh, around the world, most uh, major cities, are actually built uh, next to rivers. So you find that water is very close to um, to those cities. But uh, unfortunately, in Johannesburg and Gauteng, uh, we found gold first in, in, in uh, the 1900s. And later, we then looked for water. So our water is coming all the way from uh, the Val, uh, from our two uh, water treatment plants there. And the reason I actually am, am, am giving this background is that because of the distances, we pump this water on large volume pipelines at very high pressures. So the pressure that we have in our pipelines is not uh, your typical water pressure that you get at your tap at home. These are very, very large pipelines at very high pressures. And if any one of that pipeline was to fail or to burst, it would literally mean that anything on its way is going to be scattered all over. So if you have a pipe burst, you basically run a risk of uh, multiple fatalities of those who would have uh, settled on top of that particular pipeline. You would have uh, also quite a a, a large scale of damages, uh, depending on whether the pipeline would have burst in the residential and built-up areas in the sense of uh, infrastructure, roads, you know, buildings and all of that. So these pipelines can be very, very dangerous when they burst because of the amount of pressure of the water that we are supplying. So this is why it's very critical for us mm. to uh, run these awarenesses and warn the people that uh, there is a great danger of lo- loss of life when our pipelines uh, may burst. 
have we seen incidents of your pipelines bursting, at least in the way that you are talking about right now? Uh, and maybe if you can just give us a few examples of what has happened in the past. Yeah, and, and I think thanks. I think let me also mention that uh, maybe be, to dispel a myth because people might think, but why do pipe best? Pipe do best even when you do all the necessary requisite maintenance of infrastructure. And uh, we have had incidents in the past where pipelines have burst. Fortunately, in the manner in which we have had those incidents, we have been very lucky that we had not been uh, we, had, we hadn't had any fatalities or injuries. Uh, to any people, but we have seen major infrastructure damage. I can cite an example of a pipe burst we had in 2017 um, in the early hours of the New Year's Day here in Johannesburg South in Basonia, where that pipe uh, burst caused quite a, an extensive, extensive damage of the complex uh, that is actually built uh, quite close to where that pipeline is running. Thank you. And, and have you seen previously loss of lives as a result of the bursting of these pipes? Fortunately, not in, in rainwater's pipeline, mm. uh, I should say. But uh, we have pipelines that run actually, uh, you know, in parallel with the municipal pipelines. As you'd understand that our infrastructure actually connects into the municipal infrastructure. And I do remember an incident several years ago in the city of Tswane where I think it was in Mamilodi, if memory serves me correct in one of the informal settlements there, where a pipeline burst, and unfortunately uh, two lives of uh, small children uh, were lost when that particular pipeline uh, burst. Mm. So these this, uh, issues that we are raising are not uh, just uh, you know, to scare the people, but they can really, really happen, and it's important that people understand the dangers that are associated to being uh, uh, building structures on these uh, pipelines. How long does it generally take to actually repair a pipeline that, a pipeline that has burst? It, it actually depends on the size of the pipeline. Obviously, the first thing that we do when we have a pipe burst is to go and close our uh, isolating valves so that we can be able to first and foremost stop the gushing water from the pipeline mm. and be able to have access to that particular pipeline. But I think another thing that one can add is that when you have informal uh, 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 structures on our lines, let's say informal settlements and uh, these uh, issues that we are raising, not only do they pose danger to those who are settling there, but it also makes it very, very difficult for rainwater to access its infrastructure. Because you may actually find that, uh, and we see this quite often, especially in informal settlements, you'll find that what is... Uh, the base of our valve chamber, where we need to open and go in to close the valve, you find that that has now been converted into someone's foundation, and they've actually put a structure right on top there. So even access becomes very, very difficult for us to be able to go and close those valves so that we can repair uh, the pipelines. And I, I think I can also add that uh, these pipelines that we're talking about, you can actually walk inside without even touching the roof of that pipeline. Some of them go up to three meters in terms mm. of diameter. Mm. How large these pipelines are. You can actually drive your, your own car inside that pi pipeline by, by virtue of its size.
Sure, that definitely paints a good picture for us in terms of what the this in- infrastructure actually look like, looks like. We're in conversation with the officials of Rand Water. Uh, of course, they're raising awareness around some of their pipeline and the land that people are now building houses and other infrastructure uh, on top of, and they're talking about some of the risks that come with that. So um, we'll continue this conversation with the officials after your latest 11.30 news headlines with Joalani Tulo. Joalani, good morning. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. We're focusing on the infrastructure of Rand Water and ultimately uh, these are the officials that ensure that we end up with houses um, or rather with water in our houses and I know that that doesn't uh, necessarily speak for everyone. Quite frankly, you're very privileged if you have running water once you open the tap in your home because we still have so far to go before we provide equal access and equal opportunity to some of these basic services for all South Africans and we're talking about some of the infrastructure and uh, the concerns that they have of people building whether it's houses whether it's you know we've heard about shopping centers we've heard about private golf estates uh, that are built on top of the land uh, where their pipes lie under underneath and they're saying that this causes a huge risk and they want the public to be aware of some of the associated associated risks of doing this uh, i'm happy to take your calls if you want to be part of this conversation the number to use this morning is zero double one a seven one four two double zero six that's zero double one seven one four two double zero six the whatsapp line zero six one four one zero four one zero seven and on twitter it's at sfm radio the hashtag sfm talking point perhaps you're one of those people um you know maybe you weren't aware that in fact you've built um your infrastructure on top of rand water um pipe of, on top of the Rand Water Pipeline. And, you know, we're in conversation with Katutelo Maumela, who is the Executive Manager for Bulk Water Distribution, and Debo Hojwala, who is the General Manager for Communications. Um, let me let me begin with you, uh, Debo Ho, perhaps also for the benefit of our listeners. How does one actually know if they have built um, infrastructure on top of these pipelines? Well, thank you once again. I think the first thing that you uh, can notice uh, visually so, is the beacons. We have a concrete uh, a beacon in the form of a, a, a poles uh, on the field or that you'll see along the field where the pipeline is running. They are usually blue or white, and uh, if you walk uh, closer to them, you'll see they are written uh, that they are uh, representing rainwater servitude. Um, and then they will also you know, give you the telephone number for you to call if you want to verify something. But uh, what is the, the, the purpose really is to tell people to stay away from uh, the line and, and the and the servitude uh, where they are sitting there. So they can't live there, you can't camp there, you can't do anything. So best you, you stay away. The second thing is that if you are not sure, uh, you you would consult your counselor. For instance, if you want to you already settled somewhere, you're already in the informal settlement, or you are in the house, you're not sure, you want to make sure that you are safe. 
you consult your local councillor. If you can't get joy or the councillor does not uh, have sex for you, you can go to the, the municipality. Um, they will direct you to the specific office that will be dealing with the uh, town plans and, and, and such planning. And then the, the next element is to um, consult our, our, our uh, call centre, which is uh, 0860-010186. Thank you for those details. But, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm just curious because for, for all the businesses and all the, um, whether it's informal settlements or even residential areas and suburbs and townships that are over these lines, in the long run, are you going to need these people to move from where they are? Certainly, Kathy, uh, when they are sitting in a place which is very dangerous, because they, it's almost impossible. We can't move the lines. They are drawn in by engineers, and they have to run at a specific place, specific hangar, and so on. So if they have a build uh, on top of the service today, nothing we can do. We can't move the pipe. So they have to vacate the piece of land where they are. Hence, we are embarked, like I said, on a very rigorous, uh, multi-faceted stakeholder engagement exercises with the municipalities, uh, uh, Department of uh, Water, of, of um, Human Settlement at the municipal level, at the provincial level, and national level to educate our people about the dangers, and for also for the municipalities and those agencies to be able to provide an uh, alternative accommodation or, or land uh, for the people that were already occupying uh, that piece of land. Because it's very dangerous. There's no any other um, assistance we can provide. Uh, uh, the only thing is for them to really move away from the uh, servitude. That's going to be a, a long and laborious process. I, I'm just uh, one, wondering to find out, uh, or, or rather I just wanted to find out, how exactly would you be able to move um, residents? Would there be some kind of compensation for, for the money that they have spent on their properties, especially because there hasn't really been a vigorousness in ensuring that people aren't building along that pipeline. So I, I'm just thinking legally, how much of a say would you be able to have in kicking people off when in the first instance, they should have been prevented from building in those spaces? Well, like, like I mentioned earlier, that becomes really a function and a competency of the local municipality and the provincial um, um, uh, entities um, or structures of government. The, the, the consultation really would be to first ascertain how people uh, uh, ended up there. If they uh, put themselves there, if they self-occupied land, of course the local municipality still has also a legal and constitutional obligation to consult with them and provide an alternative uh, pieces of land or place where they, they can be resettled. Um, if by mistake, like I mentioned, by error of judgment or error on the part of the municipality, uh, due um, um, uh, processes were followed and permissions were given, then it becomes a function of, uh, of, of finding a way of uh, compensating or asking uh, the occupant to uh, move elsewhere, and uh, of course we don't get involved in terms of compensation. As Madam Mayor mentioned, constitutionally, once the servitude has been uh, registered, uh, which we all register for all the processes, the municipality, and by law uh, it belongs to the 
we speak on behalf of what the, the Constitution uh, allows us, which is the, the ownership and the free movement uh, of, uh, of our resources and our people uh, of and water and, uh, to, to service and, and, and to leave the, the land um, un, 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 unhampered throughout. So then we then um, uh, extend that uh, responsibility to the local state and the uh, and, and the provincial uh, uh, department that is um, um, uh, working in that space. Okay, uh, let me go to Mlu in Durban. Mlu, good morning. Morning, uh, Katie. How are you? I'm alright. How are you, Mlu? I'm fine, Katie. Mm. No, Katie, can I chip in on this topic? Go ahead, my, please, sir. Okay, okay. Um, my my take, Katie, on this, I think one, I, I think it, I'm, I'm, I'm saluting the rainwater for the initiatives they've taken. But over and above, Kate, I think it is the, it is the government, the national government especially, specifically, that must treat this issue as a national crisis. Mm. Why I'm saying that, Kate, because if you take a look, uh, rainwater has initiated this, and then transmit pipeline, I think they're encountering the very same problem. Mm. Uh, ESCOM is encountering the very same problem where people are building under the power lines, you know. Mm. And then I'm saying under this, I think there should be a national uh, strategy on addressing these issues, uh, this issue specifically, Kate, because you find that other people are building next to the railway line, you know, which is, I think is posing more danger to them than, mm. uh, than, than, than simply just uh, building on a, on, a, on a piece of ground that is mm. uh, uh, properly allocated. And the question of enforcement, Katie, you know, I think that is one thing that is lacking in our local government, you know, understanding uh, the dynamics of politics and all those kind of things where people, they wouldn't want to move a particular quarter settlement just because they are counting on the vote, you know. I, I think that, yeah. that, that that is where I think it is a, is a challenge for our local politicians to say everything that they do now, they, 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 they sort of attach it to, 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 to what will be the outcome of me retaining my position uh, to, uh, after the elections. See. So I hope the government mm-hmm. uh, take this uh, uh, initiative of the rainwater uh, and, and make it a national, uh, a national issue so that every, every person who's building under the under any infrastructure, the national infrastructure, that person must know that I will be evicted uh, at any given moment because I have broken the rules. You know? Yeah, you, you know what, Mlu, and and the yes. reality is that something like this requires a level of alertness and dedication from your very ward councillors because it's happening at such a local level. Let's be honest, you know, people don't just, um, we don't wake up the next day and suddenly there are four bedroom houses that are built along a a railway line. You know, it happens over time. So during that time, why is there no response from um, the councillors, from the local leadership? Because these are the people that are supposed to be raising the red flag. But I wonder yes. if they themselves even know that um, it, it, in fact, is, is, not, is not the way to go, that it's wrong uh, to be building in these areas. Okay. Hence, I'm saying, Kate, this, this is a challenge. You know, like I, 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 I bear with the local councillors, you know. But what if you get an instruction from above, Katie? It's either your local politician or your mayor that is instructing you that, please, don't interfere with those people in that particular place, you know. What, what do you do? It's such a big problem. And uh, maybe, <laughs> either, may, maybe either Katutelo or Debo want to respond to it, you know. I, I, I think, okay. thanks, Mlu. I think Mlu is raising a very important question around how politics sometimes gets in the way of the enforcement of regulations at a local level. 
Yes, uh, um, of course. Uh, the bylaws uh, enforcement is a function of a local uh, municipality uh, through their either metropolis or local um, uh, um, traffic departments in the local way they don't have the metros and also other inspectorates within the municipality that goes around you know, even when you're building your own house the inspectors can always reserve a right to come and check if they're following the, the very plans that were approved and so on. But then it becomes a problem. I understand where, what Ndu is saying. And the crowding, uh, of course, we're trying to uh, inculcate and, 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 and do that in other provinces. In Houting, we've established a forum, really, to deal with this matter. Because we sit there, ESCOM would be around, and Transnet and Tata. Really to try and make it in the part and also educate our, our counterparts at the local municipalities on the frustrations that uh, we encounter. Because not only, like the Democratic said, not only do we have uh, we see to the danger. Just a, a normal maintenance of, of those servitudes uh, sometimes can be hampered and causes other unnecessary um, um, downstream carnage mm. uh, or, uh, or fatalities because we failed to, uh, to access our infrastructure. The person has now decided to, to build a spa shop on top of our, our, our um, uh, valve chambers. So, so it's a function of us continuously and maybe even escalating it at the national level uh, together with other water boards and mm-hmm. other other so is what playing in, in that part it was it becomes a serious problem and then i see other uh, you know uh, structures like your prospect in saco are also playing in that space where they've got their own servitude and sooner or later it's going to start causing problems and people can access wi-fi because somebody uh, you know there's a there's a there's a encroachment and so on it is a worrying um, it is something that uh, in our own different uh, spaces at the uh, at public service, we need to ensure that we are able to undermine the weaknesses that are in the system and mm-hmm. also educate our people not to. Um, um, uh, I know there is a serious uh, problem of uh, uh, human settlement uh, deficit, um, and our people want rent, our people want uh, um, access to housing and so on, mm-hmm. but we can't do that um, at the detriment of everybody else. And are you able to to service uh, the the infrastructure where people have built on? So if 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 somebody's yard is on top of this pipeline, how easy is it for you to be able to go and fix it if and when something goes wrong? I'll, I'll chip in a little bit. At the moment, I will speak there because he, yes. the people that go and maintenance they fall under him. One of the things that is worrying us, Auskis, is that our people are now even life are endangered because they come there, they want to service. It's in the middle of the night, and now it's in the middle of this. This the chamber is inside the settlement, and you want to walk into somebody's yard, and then you get chased away. So maybe Godfrey just just chip in there. Yeah, let me let me just add, and it's obviously quite a challenge that. We have, but one of the things that we have done as Randwater is to build uh, good relationships with the communities where we operate, mm. so they don't see us as adversaries. When we come in there, in most cases, we are able to access um, the areas. But uh, like we indicated, that access obviously goes as uh, far as uh, you know the yard, but we are not necessarily now going into people's homes. So ideally, those structures shouldn't be sitting on those pipelines because it really does hamper the actual uh, maintenance that we are. 
uh, doing in those uh, particular areas. So we really strive and work hard to try and build good relationships mm. with the communities together with the municipalities that are actually also servicing those communities. Some of the messages coming in on the WhatsApp line. Hi, Kathy. In Flairhof, people have built security walls on top of the water pipelines and across the emergency water supply points in their yard. Um, Simon uh, Simon Siluma from Kwamhlanga says, um, what a fruitful conversation. I'm not from around Gauteng, but I think this should... Um, this sh- also applies to rural areas where most people are at risk, especially hawkers. I believe 70% of them are doing their business on top of these pipelines and even hanging some of their stuff on top of these beacons. Um, There we go. What's your response to that? Uh, I wanted to respond to uh, maybe in particular what uh, Simon raised and he said that uh, is not necessarily in Gauteng. And I wanted to just uh, stress that uh, one of the reasons we appreciate uh, talking to listeners on SAFM is that we know it's a national radio. But we also know that uh, most of the people who are in Gauteng in one way or another have come from some rural place or some province elsewhere, and uh, they will have uh, even family members and relatives who are listening. And we are actually also appealing that... uh, even if you may not be necessarily in Gauteng, if you have people uh, or family or friends who live in these areas, would appreciate after this conversation that you take a phone and you just check with them, wherever you are, are you fine? Are you anywhere near rainwater pipelines? Do you need to phone rainwater to just verify so that we can be able to uh, assist uh, those uh, people who are uh, uh, in these areas? Thank you. We're in conversation with officials from Rand Water and an important conversation uh, that we're having this morning around uh, building this is around the infrastructure rather of Randwater and people who have occupied the land on top of these pipelines and they're warning uh, the public against doing this. We'll continue after this. I'll take more of your calls and your WhatsApp voice notes. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. You're live on the Talking Point. We're getting ready to round up our conversation for the day. We've been talking, or at least for the hour, we've been in conversation with Rand Water over their infrastructure and a campaign that they've now embarked on warning the public not to build on top of land where uh, their pipeline is going through underneath. Let me go to Colin in Cape Town. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, and good morning to your guests. You know, we'll we'll never be able to solve this problem mm. if our municipality people do their jobs properly. Ah, Colin, it's it sounds like something so basic, but apparently it isn't. Yeah, but the municipality number one. If I want to build a property, I've got to go to the plans office, the deed of sales office and all those things. Mm. I've got to get the right the way I can build. Mm. Before I get that, they, they should be able to tell me, no, you cannot build there. Mm. Because here's a pipeline running through there. Mm. Now, I'm so surprised to hear golf estates are big. How do these people get away with that? Is, is there handouts or corruption involved also in the municipalities? Where are the inspectors? Do you know, I've got a builder, uh, a builder that does building. He reckons he hasn't seen an inspector for the last five years and he's built houses already. 
Where were the days when the council people came and they saw buildings going up? They came to inspect, to see if you are doing the right thing and so and so. I play municipalities also. And you warning people and warning people, you know, we, we are a society, we don't even listen to our courts anymore. Mm. Where are we going to listen to the municipality or somebody talking over the radio? We mustn't build there. You know what I mean? Yeah. The municipality must do their jobs. The inspectors must get off their buttocks and ride around in their wards or their areas. Mm. And when they see a structure going up, go and query it and find what's going on. Where's your plans? Who the buildings? And so and so and so and so. That's the only way. I I blame the municipality also. I couldn't agree more with you, Colin. But yet again, it could be handouts, kickbacks. You know what I mean? Mm. Thank you. I really oh, okay. couldn't agree more with you. Colin there calling us from, from Cape Town. You know, it, it a golf estate takes so much time, so much planning. You need approvals for so many things. So that, that would end up on top of infrastructure um, where you have these pipelines running. To me, it doesn't make sense. Um, Mr. Marmela or, or, Joalana, you can, or Mr. Joala, you can take, take this question. Have you been able to get to the problem of why this, this this is happening and why it continues uh, to happen? Uh, maybe I should uh, come in, Kathy. It's a, it's, a, it's a problem that is out there that could be caused by quite a number of uh, reasons, which, uh, you know, I'm, on this show, I'm, I don't think we'll even get to all of them. So in some areas, it could just be, uh, you know, as uh, Colin mentioned, uh, you know, officials who haven't done the work that needed to be done. In some areas, it could just be a question of, uh, you know, archives in, uh, in, in, in these offices or municipal offices that maybe are not identifying all the necessary uh, registrations of mm-hmm. services. So there could be a number of issues out there. But I wanted to just maybe reiterate here that uh, in order to resolve this problem, it's not going to take only one stakeholder. It's going to require all the stakeholders, municipalities, rainwater, and it was mentioned earlier that there are other companies having similar problems like ESCOM and Transnet and so on and so forth. So it requires all of us to have a concerted effort to work together with the Department of uh, uh, Housing and Settlements to make sure that we deal with the problem at hand. And I must say that uh, even though we haven't really had much success in many areas, I do remember an, uh, an, an, a, a situation in Ekuruleni where we needed to do major uh, infrastructure refurbishment and, uh, in, in an informal settlement. And together with Ekuruleni, we were able to move those people from that particular area. Mm-hmm. And we could come in and dig up and uh, actually put new uh, pipelines. And I'm using this uh, uh, you know, project as an example to say it can be done. We just need to make sure that we work together. And we need to realize that uh, time is not on our side because uh, any time... We could have, uh, you know, a, a line that fails and causes all sorts of havoc. So really we can be able to put hands together and uh, address the challenges that are out there. So then in the long run, right, and this is probably the very long term, are you going to find that you're going to need to replace a lot of this existing infrastructure, which means that it's going to become unavoidable, whether it is, you know, going to mess up a pretty, the, the beautiful grass on a golf estate. You're just going to have to do it because the risk then of uh, not being able to maintain consistent water supply will become greater. That, that is so true. In fact, as we speak now, rainwater is uh, embarking on a, 
multi-billion rand uh, worth of uh, capital expenditure projects in order to make sure that, uh, you know, we replace and refurbish this infrastructure. I mean, for an organization that has been existing for over 100 years, it's inevitable that, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure has got to be refurbished and rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. So what we then do is that uh, we do, of course, uh, consult with all the stakeholders before we actually start the project so that we can clear up all the necessary services and go and do work. And uh, definitely it, it requires people to be moved. It requires, uh, you know, golf estates to be dug up and, and, and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. All right. Uh, I want us to listen to a couple of vo- WhatsApp voice notes that have been sent in in, in connection with this conversation. Uh, good morning, Kathy, and good morning to your guests. Thanks for a great show. I actually have a different take on how rainwater should deal with uh, such constructions, especially from businesses like filling stations and malls, because I think these guys just um, flaunt the environmental impact assessment process because they know the loopholes, you know, and they exploit that because they have a desired location where they want their businesses. So I think in these cases, um, there shouldn't be room for leniency and even any bit of compensation. I think these guys should be getting fines because they know um, that they have used these loopholes in those systems and they'll get away with it. And there is also probably an element of corruption that is involved with some officials to get the applications approved. So there shouldn't be leniency in that case. Hi, Katie. Uh, this is Colin from Bumalanga. I want to know how will they facilitate the 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 movement, the moving of the people from that place where the pipe, the pipeline is it's going through. So I want to know that because there have to be someone who facilitate with the local municipality that. They could move the people and find another place, an alternative place where they could settle the, 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 the people. I think rainwater should be the one that will, must facilitate all this for the sake of that they need their piece of land where the pipe is going. So they also need to facilitate this. And thanks for that question of conversation. That they have to be compensated. All right. Well, thank you for your contributions to the conversation. We're going to uh, wrap it up here with our officials from Randwater today. Um, just a note to both of you, gentlemen. We have to make it for the twelve o'clock uh, uh, twelve twelve o'clock deadline for the handover with Sakina. So, very brief closing comments from both of you. Um. Kathy, uh, as we wrap up, I think I need to repeat by our call center number, which I had asked uh, um, members of the community if they want the clarity on the, whether they are um, encroaching or not. They can phone our call center at 0860-101060. I repeat the number 0860-101060. Or alternatively, consult the local councillor or local municipality. I think we'll be coming to various communities uh, where rainwater pipelines uh, appear to have been enclosed and uh, have a potential of being enclosed as well. 
uh, in the greater uh, uh, housing area, in the Egoruleni, Chembisa, Expectas, Bakani, uh, in the Val, in the Orange Farm, a number of areas will be doing activations uh, together with the local councillors, with the local uh, municipalities, MMCs, and, and various other stakeholders. So we will be coming to the communities, and uh, please do call us if you have uh, a question like we mentioned, and also follow and check uh, some of this information on our social media uh, handles, in, uh, LinkedIn, in, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right. Let me thank you both then for your time on the talking point today. Uh, Katutselo Maumela is the executive manager, Bulk Water Distribution, and Tabuho Joala, general manager, communications at Rindwater. That's where we wrap it up for this week. It's the last working week of November. Next week, uh, we get straight into December. Uh, Sakina, good afternoon.